Good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Hope you all are doing well this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, for those of you I don't know, uh, my name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor here and uh, just really excited that you all uh, have joined uh, with us this morning and are here this morning as we kick off a series. Uh, it's a five-week series that we've entitled Think Global. And uh, it is a month, uh, a little more than a month, where we're going to focus on uh, what God is doing, not just here, uh, but also uh, around the world. And uh, throughout the month, you're going to hear from um, uh, several of our different missions partners, global missions partners. We have three different missions partners. And today I have with me my good and dear friends, Kim and Brandon Smith from No Hungry Children. Would you give it up for Kim and Brandon Smith this morning? And there's a few people that travel with them who are not on stage, and that's their four children, Callie, uh, Carson, uh, Cameron, and Caitlin. Awesome. I got that. I've only known them for 12 years. So anyway, I got that right this time, finally. <laughs> so we're really glad that, uh, that they are here, and you're going to be hearing from them uh, throughout uh, this morning. One of the things I want to let you know about is, is that we as a church uh, believe in global missions. So we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ being spread from this place um, out to the ends of the earth. And you're going to hear that theme throughout uh, the next five weeks. And you can see behind me uh, the map of where we are involved. We're involved in Atlanta, Georgia. That's the closest place globally we're involved through the navigators at Georgia State. Uh, we are involved down in Jamaica and Belize and uh, in the Central American uh, area through Roe Kids. And we're involved all the way across the world in Nairobi, Kenya, Africa, through No Hungry Children. And uh, so we're excited about that. We're excited for you all to hear in depth from our global partners uh, over the course of the next few weeks. And so we wanted to begin by introducing you to Brandon and Kim at No Hungry Children. And before we dive in this morning and hear from them, uh, focus your attention on the screens and check out this video this morning. Yeah, it's crazy because they are the most joyful kids that you would ever meet. but yet the need is so desperate. During the lunch hour and this school was not getting fed and half the kids weren't there, the other half were, had their heads on their desk and I said, where are all the kids? And they said they'd left to go to try to find food. Walking through the slums for the first time, was a life-changing experience. If you can imagine hundreds of thousands of people and no sewage, no running water really, um, obviously no, no toilets or, or sanitation. A huge percentage of the, the population is children under 15. Slavery is a huge issue. Kids getting sold into slavery by their parents. Or, or not having parents. Um, just kids everywhere on top of each other. We figured out very quickly that you could feed a child for a dollar a week, that they would get two meals a day. The opportunity was there to make a huge impact with very little 
money. Now, such a huge overwhelming response from individuals and pastors and churches and, and businesses that have blessed us to be able to start feeding 2,000 children every day. We are able to see a huge difference in the lives of these children that are actually eating every day in school. The joy, the energy, their ability to learn, their, their communication with each other and, and activity with each other. It's crazy. We'll, we'll walk into a school that we're feeding and the kids just go wild. They're so excited for us to be there and they have so much energy and it's just a night and day difference. Uh, a child that's getting fed twice a day every day versus those that aren't. We care spiritually about these children and so we've made it a, a major uh, part of what we do to help develop relationships with pastors and school. So we were able to actually provide 10 motorcycles for 10 different pastors or school chaplains that now go into our, our schools once a week. Um, and so they're able to continue building those relationships with the children and the teachers and finding out what the needs are. When, when we start feeding children in a school, the population, the school attendance grows. So more children start coming to school, but then that creates a problem for space. And so we've been able to help add more space to schools uh, for children to be able to meet and not be on top of each other. We've had teachers that weren't getting paid that are now getting paid because of donors and supporters that have come alongside of us. But I think we're really just scratching the surface of the opportunity and the, of the need. If I could say one thing to someone who was considering partnering with No Hungry Children, it would be just do something. There's so many opportunities to get involved with our ministry, with somebody else's ministry. Find out what God is already doing and get involved with that. If you're not sure what to do, just go where God is already at work. and. And I can tell you God is at work in No Hungry Children. Not much more that needs to be said, does there? It's a huge need. Uh, a world away from us, isn't there? Um, you guys live in Ackworth, Georgia. Um, you're in suburban Atlanta. Um, tell us really from the beginning, um, how did this idea, how did the passion to go all the way across the world, um, where, where was that birth? Where did that begin? Uh, I would have to say um, it goes all the way back to 2002 when uh, as a worship pastor at a church, uh, I was invited by my pastor to come and lead worship for a pastor's conference in Zambia, Africa. Um, and that was when the Lord started birthing in my heart uh, and in our hearts uh, as a couple missions and what, what it means to go into all the world and, and preach the gospel and make disciples. And uh, so I, I knew after going in 2002 that I had to go back. Um, we didn't get as much time as I wanted to have with the individual, with the local people. We were with 
the missions team on the ground there and we were helping build stuff after the week of the pastors conference we were there another week helping build facilities and all that and so didn't really get to spend a whole lot of time with the locals um, where they lived they kind of were coming to us at that point and and excited to be there and we were excited to be there but not really seeing uh, the need and so uh, in 2006 I got to go back to Africa this time to Kenya for the first time and this was a much different experience Um, uh, we weren't invited by local American missionaries we were invited by Kenya pastors to come and so we stayed with the Kenya pastor uh, and his family and they had I think eight kids living in their Mm -hmm. house and uh, they gave us their three bedrooms and they their eight kids and and them ten of them on the floor in their uh, living room Um, and that's when we really started to see the reality of the situation. Um, that was the start of relationships that were built um, that over the course of time led to us going into Nairobi. That was in a village uh, north North Kenya called Bungoma. Um, and the first time into the slums and into Nairobi was in 2010. Um, uh, a man that we had met named Maurice Odiambo who had come in 2006 to the conference that we were at. Um, We went, uh, there was a series of connections that were made um, for us and him, and and ultimately we ended up going and seeing uh, kind of a quasi-feeding program that he had started with a couple of schools. Um, He, Maurice is, is a local missionary himself, but he's from Kasumu, Kenya. He moved to Nairobi as a missionary, lived in the slums for eight years with his wife, and two of his children were born there. Um, And so his ministry is evangelism and discipleship and uh, leading uh, people to Christ and then training them to be pastors and church leaders. And so uh, when he would do conferences, some of his pastors would come share needs with them and that kind of thing. And so uh, a couple of them had started schools in the slums and couldn't feed the kids. And so they would just raise money uh, kind of on the side and try to help feed these kids. So maybe they would eat, maybe they wouldn't. Um, so that was kind of the start of, the, of us seeing what was going sure, on. Sure. And we just started giving to it at that point. Sure. There, no Hungry Children didn't exist back then. And what caused you guys to start No Hungry Children in, in that process, seeing the need? Um, you know, I, I know that there are, there are probably many people who are, are involved in, in feeding programs in the slums of Nairobi, a, a city with multiple millions of people. Even the slums themselves have multiple millions of people living in them. Um, what caused you guys to, to take it to the next level and say, you know what, God's calling us to begin our own work? What was it that was kind of the impetus for that? Um, and the connection for that. What makes No Hungry Children maybe unique, I guess, is what what I'm really trying to get at. Yeah. um, I don't know that we really had a choice. Uh, (laughs) uh, It was just God making it happen. Um, What turned into um, us donating, you know, to help feed some kids turned into people wanting to partner with us, and then that turned into you know, questions of accountability and what's happening with the money and how do we know it's being used correctly and um, how can we get 
pictures and this and that. And so we kind of started establishing these protocols and, um, and then um, the name No Hungry Children started because it was the website that we found <laughs> that was available. <laughs> and uh, we put some songs up that I had written and um, asked people to download them for free and donate to help us feed kids. Yeah, this was before the, the actual organization actually sure. you know, existed. So um, we had already applied for our, non, our nonprofit through Form Life Ministries. And so uh, we were giving through All for His Glory Ministries in the beginning, which are the ones that connected us with the, the ministry on the ground. And so it just, it was one of those things where... Um, the Lord was doing it with or without us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and kind of like, as I mentioned at the end of the, that video, uh, that's just been a, a, a philosophy of ours that God used Henry Blackaby to, to help us yeah. learn through um, Experiencing God, God. Uh, series. And so God was just in it and doing it. And we're like, wow, okay, this is happening. And people were coming along. We want to be a part of this. We want to do this. And so... Yeah. Uh, next thing we knew, we were feeding 12 schools with 1,200 It's amazing. Kids. So, yeah. Amazing. Right, right out of the gates, 12 schools, 1,200 kids in Nairobi. Tell us about the slums. Tell us about um, where you guys are serving. What, what's the name of the slums? Because I know that there are different ones in Nairobi. And uh, I read the other day um, uh, this stat that 680 million people in 2012 live in slums around the world. Think about that. 680 million plus people live in slums around the world. We have no idea uh, of how many people there are uh, living in abject poverty uh, in these areas, in these big cities around the world. Tell us about the slums in Nairobi. Tell us about your experience with the people and, and what the way of life is there, Kim, uh, in the slums. Um, okay, well, so we are in several slums in Nairobi. Mm -hmm. um, the main one that we are in is called the Kabira Slum, mm -hmm. and um, it is the second largest slum in the world, the largest slum in Africa. Um, so I had seen pictures before I went for my first time in 2010, and I'd heard stories, but it wasn't until I got out of the van the very first time and, and walked down the streets, and it, it really took my breath away for many reasons. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Even though I had seen pic pictures, I had never, just being surrounded by four sides, um, by it, I couldn't believe what I was seeing what I was hearing, what I was smelling, and literally just, I, I could barely breathe, not because of the air, even though that was part of it. I, I could not believe what I was seeing and that this was really how many, many people were living around the world. Um, and it's just, when you're walking down um, the, the little mudded area over the sewers, over the dirty water, I mean, there's just people everywhere laying in the road, children everywhere running around and um, their homes are basically you know I think of when I was a kid and made little tents in my room I mean it's just a bunch of garbage that they put together mm -hmm. to make houses and um, just tons of kids living in one little square house um, but you know I, I just couldn't believe the smell mm -hmm. and the sights and and the people and just um, our kids in our and our schools were happy and thrilled but the people just this this 
poverty, this, this solemnness about them. Um, I, I was just, I was absolutely floored and it just, it really took my breath away and it was a very emotional experience. I'm sure it was. And you brought your kids, all, all, all four of the kids went on, on one of the trips you took over. Um, I mean, what was their, what was their reaction? I mean, as, as elementary and middle school, uh, you know, or preteens, what was their reaction? I mean, did they have a similar reaction? Um, to seeing this and smelling the smells and that kind of thing? Yeah, they were really, we tried to prepare them as much as we could, but it was very overwhelming for them. Yeah. I mean, just to see something um, that they, they couldn't even get their head around. Why were their kids barely dressed, laying in the ground and looked barely alive? Why were their kids crying and screaming and no one was coming to them? And um, it was just very overwhelming for them. So I think they did not know how to navigate their feelings. Yeah. Um, we barely knew how to yeah, navigate our feelings. Sure. Um, and but, but in it, we just knew the Lord was calling us. And so even even though it was hard and even though they felt scared at times, not because we weren't um, being protected by, by the people there, but they just, they, they did, just didn't know what God was doing and they didn't know what their heart was doing. And so I think they learned just to trust God sure. and they learned that, okay, we are called to this. And as much as mommy and daddy say, we're called to this, we're doing this, we're giving our lives to this. They got to really see it and say, mm -hmm you know what, we want to give our lives away too. We want to do this. And it did impact them. I mean, they came home and um, it just changed the way they thought about everything. Sure. Um, so it was really, it was amazing. So you guys are, are over in Nairobi. You're, you're in several different slums. Um, tell us about the feeding program itself. How does that work? We saw the pictures. Um, how does it work logistically? And, and you know, what, what happens? How do we, how do we deliver these kids food? Um, and, and man, tell us a little bit about that too, because I think there's some connections with the need there for food in the slums. That's just a very practical thing. It's just a very yeah. practical thing. The really cool thing is that, um, we're actually partnered with a local ministry on the ground in Nairobi called Mana Ministries. And, uh, they do, it's called Mana it's Ministries. Called, interestingly, yeah. it's called Mana Ministries, but it's, has that name has nothing to do with physical food it's a evangelism and and discipleship ministry uh founded by maurice odiambo and um and he has a network of pastors many of whom he's led to christ himself um and and church leaders that he oversees and helps train and and helps support and so the the really cool thing is that they are just looking for ways to be able to serve their community and, and make an impact uh, where they live and, and work and minister. And so we're able to have the, the, the protocols and the accountability and, and the transparency of sending money over and we send it once a month. Currently it's $8,500 for around 2,100 children every day that eat. Um, so we send $8,500 a month over, and then we get receipts and uh, pictures and, and all that good stuff. Um, the chaplains are going in once a week to the schools to see the kids and share the gospel and do Bible stories and studies and, and meet with the teachers and find out what's going on. And so we get reports about what's going on specifically. But um, they literally withdraw the money within a couple of days of us sending it go and buy the food, um, and they have two trucks. They have a van that they own that was donated from another ministry, and then uh, they rent a truck, um, and it takes about two days uh, with those two vans delivering the food to 21 different schools. There's a couple of schools, you know, that are kind of together, 
a little bit, but if you can imagine a month's worth of food for each school, sure. you know, loaded up in, in the vans. And what, and what is it that they're eating? I mean, we saw it there. It looked like rice, but what, tell us a little bit about what they're eating. Yeah, there was a couple of pictures or videos where you saw an actual soup kind of yeah. thing yeah, and little like cups yeah. that they're eating. That's what they call porridge. Um, it's a wheat-based um, uh, soup um, that also has protein in it. And so uh, there's a lot. That's probably more nutritious than the rice and beans that they get, which obviously the beans has protein sure. and all that good stuff. So, um, so they get porridge in the morning and rice and beans in the afternoon. Sure. And for a lot of these kids, that's all they eat. Well, that uh, was what I was going to ask. That's, that's the question I want to ask. What's the alternative? What, what, you know, what if no hungry children didn't exist in the schools, the 21 schools that you're in? What if um, you guys aren't feeding? What's the alternative? How does a normal family live without a ministry like No Hungry Children? Um, well, it just depends on how skilled the, the, the parents are. Um, with a lot, of, a lot of the kids, honestly, the alternative is they wouldn't eat. Um, just being completely honest, they 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 live with <clears throat> distant relatives because their parents are gone, and in 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 third world countries, it's interesting how it works. Uh, I think we think a little differently here, but but there, um, if if they get food on a particular day because dad or mom comes home having made a few dollars and and they're able to buy some food, the adults eat first, wow. and and keep in mind. There may be one person with a job out of 15 or 20 people that they're kind of feeling wow. responsible for. Mm -hmm. um, and so the adults eat first, and then if there's any food left, their, their immediate biological kids eat. Wow. And then if there's any food left after that, the, the adopted, adopted. Or, or kind of taken responsibility for their distant, you know, their sister or husbands or whoever's kid. Um, or, or brother's kids. So a lot of times the, the, the children that don't have parents wouldn't eat, you know. If you're and, at the end of that line. Exactly. If you're at the end of that line on, the, on, on you know, essentially that system, right. you're probably not going to eat. Right. And, you, and they most likely would not be in school. So the interesting sure. thing is when we start feeding a school, the attendance mm. skyrockets um, in the school because now instead of having to be out looking for food or um, the, the, the father or, or, or mom feeling responsible to make sure they get food for the child first before they get an education, you know, once the food situation is stabilized, they feel more like they can, okay, well, if they're going to get food at school, then we can focus our attention on helping them get to school as mm. opposed to just helping them stay alive and eat. So it takes a huge weight off of the whoever's responsible for feeding them. Sure, absolutely. You know, I keep thinking uh, about Jesus in, in the book of Matthew uh, when, when he said, uh, you know, when, when they were hungry, um, you gave them something to eat. When they were thirsty, you gave them something to drink. And his disciples said, when did we do this? And he said, when you did it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And uh, I just keep coming back to that as I'm hearing you guys talk about food uh, being a way um, to meet needs. But I know that the ultimate purpose of No Hungry Children um, is not just food. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the ultimate mission, your ultimate goal, and your primary purpose uh, of No Hungry Children. And uh, what you guys see is really the end result of what you're doing there in the slums of Nairobi. 
Well, you know, we really feel like food is just a, a door to walk through. Mm. And um, I mean, these children are so hungry for food, but they are so hungry for hope. Mm. And um, all they know is what's around them. And some of them have never even left the slums, never mm. even seen outside the slums. So our ultimate goal is to share Christ with them and, and not just to give them, um, you know, full bellies on their way to hell, but to really teach them that Jesus loves them, that he is the way, the truth, and life, and that no one comes to the Father through him. And so we are really um, loving how God is bringing people um, on the ground to be able to go to those slums and to share the gospel and share the truth and be bold with these children and with these teachers. So that is the ultimate goal, is to um, lead them to Christ, to, to help disciple them, and so that they can pour into more and more people there in the slums. Sure. You know, and it's interesting, you guys mentioned, Brandon, you mentioned, doing that, you know, bringing the gospel message really to, to these children um, being the ultimate goal. Um, and you mentioned that you have a partner there, Maurice, and you have pastors. Tell us a little bit about Maurice and some of these pastors, because any good ministry um, has uh, locals who are on the ground who can help uh, really uh, bridge some of those gaps and um, really make some of the connections. Tell us a little bit about uh, yeah, Maurice, Maurice and the pastors. Maurice is just a great guy, and we've, we've been working for the last... Um, several months to actually try to bring him to to the states um but uh he's he's a young 20 something guy he he grew up in kasumu kenya which is up near the ugandan border off uh, by lake victoria um much nicer place to live <laughs> than in nairobi um it's much more of when you think of safari and the cool part of Africa, that's what you're Serengeti, thinking Serengeti, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but he was called as a missionary after mm. being saved, he and his wife, to move into the Kibera slum. So they chose to move into the Kibera slums. Yes. To reach the people of the slums. Yes, yes. and they lived there, I believe it was eight years. Don't quote me on that. It was like close yeah. to ten. Yeah. Had his first two children mm. there. Um, won a lot of people to the Lord and uh, has been leading people to the Lord and training church pastors and church leaders. And so his, you know, he's in his, you know, uh, probably close to 10 years of, of doing ministry. And now he's seeing second and third generation of, of people that have won people to Christ, who have won people to Christ. And so uh, his ministry of evangelism and discipleship just continues to grow, and so does mm -hmm. his network of, of pastors and, and church leaders. So what we're really doing is empowering a local ministry to serve their community um, and be able to make a huge impact. What we don't want to do is, is uh, pretend like we're the, we're the ones coming mm -hmm. in and and saving yeah. you, you know, yeah. or, or uh, we, we want it to be the locals yeah. impacting their own people. And so we're, we're really, um, we're really kind of the, the, the fundraising arm of sure. what happens sure. on the ground with all of the protocols and, mm -hmm. and in place to make sure the money is spent. Think, think about the ripple effect, um, church, low country, uh, Hilton Head Island Community Church, of us being right here in the low country on Hilton Head, the ripple effect of um, our impact. Um, because when, when we support No Hungry Children, uh, we don't just support them directly. Um, we, we don't just help children in the slums. We don't just provide meals for families. We're, we're also helping pastors 
um, people who are passionate, just like we are, about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, man, you think about that, that partnership coming together and the impact of the partnership, the impact of the gospel, and uh, just a difference you guys are making. We're so excited. Uh, about what y'all are doing. Tell us as, as we close. I know you've got, a, you've got a merchandise table back here. I want to encourage you all the most comfortable t-shirts that you'll ever wear. No Hungry Children t-shirts. And uh, yeah, they're awesome. And uh, they can, they can uh, go get some merchandise. Tell us what you have in merchandise uh, back at the table. Yeah, so we've got uh, obviously the, the becoming world famous t-shirts. Um, <laughs> hopefully, thank you to, thanks to you guys wearing them out there. So um, uh, and then we've got a couple of new styles, uh, the camo that my wife's wearing, and we call it the bling shirt, the, the bedazzled, you know, shirts for the ladies. You, or you have one of those, don't you, Brandon? I don't wear those. Okay, no. all right. I just wanted to check. Um, I tried one on once, but no. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, we have uh, some wristbands and some cups and koozies, any, uh, anything that you can, can get that... You set it in your office or you wear it or whatever. I have C a few CDs left of the songs that I'd written originally that yeah. we put online. Uh, and you, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Really cool thing. We have um, No Hungry Children like tote bags tote bags. I that are those. made by yeah. ladies in India that are taken oh. off of the streets in the red light district. And so it's called Daughters of Hope. So No Hungry Children got to buy those bags from them and support their ministry. And then that's we awesome. get to sell them and, and support ours. So that's really cool. Um, it's awesome, yeah. man. I want to encourage you to go visit their table today. Talk to Brandon and Kim. Um, just let them know how much uh, you appreciate them. If there's one thing that we can be praying for, and we're going to pray here in a minute. For you guys as a family uh, or No Hungry Children, what would that be? What can we be praying for no hungry children for i'm gonna wrap a couple of things yeah. into this um yeah. because this is a big need we're there is a dream um the quantified dream is to feed a million children oh, every wow. day in yeah. schools um the lord gave me a vision not too long ago of wow what if we could actually end hunger for children mm. completely um right now i'm sticking with a million um, but uh, that's going to take a lot of churches, a lot of businesses, a lot of individuals. So pray for God to bring uh, those connections to us. You can help us with that by uh, if your organization, your business, um, anything you're involved with, um, you know, wants to have a missions partner, anything like that. We would love to talk to you about that. That's great, man. Fantastic. So we're going to pray for them. I'm going to ask you to pray for them. Tell us the name of the slums one more time, if you would, Brandon. The Kibera. name of the Kibera, the Kibera slums in Nairobi, Kenya. Um, if you would, church, as we pray for them, be praying for the people in the slums in Kibera, uh, in Nairobi. And so uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask uh, all of us to stand up for a moment, and I'm going to ask Brandon and Kim to stand, and I'm going to pray over them. Uh, this morning. And I'm going to ask you, if you're part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, just to raise up, raise up your hand, sorry. Just raise up your hand and just pray along with me um, as we pray for Brandon and Kim Smith and No Hungry Children. Father God, thank you so much for Brandon and Kim. God, thank you for their family, for their uh, passion uh, for the gospel. Um, God, I thank you for their passion um, to see children. Um, God, be fed. And God, I just, um, 
I just pray for them right now in the strong name of Jesus. God, that you would lift them up. God, that you would um, do, a, do, do a mighty work in them. You've done so many things already, God. And I just pray for your protection, God. I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would protect this family from the evil one. God, pray for no hungry children. God, I pray financially that you would raise every dollar, every dime, every nickel and penny that they need to accomplish what you've been asking them to do in the Kibera slums of Nairobi, Kenya, and beyond, God. And I pray that you would help them and that you would give them courage and character and wisdom to be able to accomplish everything that you want them to, God. Go before them, Holy Spirit. And I thank you so much that we as a church have the uh, opportunity and the honor to be able to partner with them. And God, we as a church pray for them in the strong name of Jesus. And God, we send them out figuratively and literally, um, God, uh, to do your work um, in Nairobi, Kenya. And we pray this all in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Brandon and Kim, thank you guys so much. Why don't you give it up for Brandon and Kim this morning. You can be seated this morning. You can be seated. I want to introduce Tom Coyle to you. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. <laughs> Tom is uh, one of our stewardship team members here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. We have a, a board of elders uh, who help uh, with governance, and they protect and pray for our church. But we also have a stewardship team, and uh, they provide accountability uh, on our finances. And so Tom wants to talk with you a little bit about uh, some of the specifics about our partnership with No Hungry Children and with several of our other partners. Tom. Well, first of all, I'd like to say that... Uh, it's a real honor to serve the Lord in a church like this and with a pastor like Todd. And uh, as Todd said, I'm on the stewardship team and my focus is on missions. And I can tell you that in this church, missions is a priority. Back in April of 2013, uh, Todd, along with our elder board, made a decision that we were going to give 10% of all undesignated gifts and offerings uh, that came in through this church. And so for the last year and a half, uh, that's exactly what we've done. And you might say, why are missions a priority here? Well, there's a biblical basis for that, and we find that in Matthew. Mm, that's right. And it really is the Great Commission. And in Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, the underlying principle there, of course, is to go, baptize, and teach. So as you look at this, you, you say, well, what's our real strategy here at Hilton Head Island Community Church? Well, we partner with both local, also global missions. And our strategy is a little bit different than most, uh, I would say, in that um, in partnering with both local and global missions, uh, we split the funding 50-50. Now, in most churches, it would normally be about 75% global, 25% local. But because we are a community church, we feel it's very important to let our light shine in this community, right. which is basically a pagan county, if you recall. 
So we go 50-50, and we have eight local partners that uh, we have, and, and you're going to hear in the weeks ahead. I know last week uh, Todd mentioned about sandalwood pantry, food pantry. Um, you're going to hear more about those kinds of things in the weeks to come. Today, uh, obviously, we want to talk about our global partners, and we have four different global partners. And those partners, as you can see on the screen here, you're going to hear in the following weeks from Aro Kids, as well as the NAVs, and of course today, uh, I think that was a very uh, touching uh, sermon and, and comments that uh, both Brandon and Kim uh, made about what they're doing to make their lives count. And uh, so as we look at our strategy, um, I guess I would be somewhat remiss uh, if I didn't say that a, a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, we made the decision that with our global partners that we were going to give them $1,000 a month. Um, historically, we've really given sort of sporadic gifts. Yeah. But in all fairness to our partners for budgeting um, and planning, uh, we really needed to make a commitment. So we provide our global partners with $1,000 a month. And um, I should just, in closing, just make a few comments about the funding. Um, as Todd said last week, uh, the members here have done a great job with Maximum Impact. Maximum Impact was the opportunity to grow our campus primarily for our youth. Yeah. However, I think Maximum Impact also had a maximum impact on our weekly giving. <laughs> and uh, as a result of that, as I said earlier, 10% of our giving goes directly to our missions. So you can understand the trickle-down effect that has. Um, if we're off several thousand dollars a week, that impacts our missions. Yeah. So this is a team sport, <laughs> and uh, we need your help, we need your support, and really, in, in this church, I think it's a way our church family can really make our lives count for the Lord, both in our community and globally. So in the weeks ahead, you're going to hear more about uh, our mission strategy here at uh, this church and uh, what it means globally as well as locally. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Tom, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you. Appreciate you being here, and I got to tell you, our stewardship team and our elders have a passionate heart, uh, no less than, than I or any of our staff do, um, to see the gospel message spread throughout the world. And uh, so, Tom, thank you so much. And I, don't, I, I know you heard what he said there, but $1,000 a month to each of our three main global partners, which includes No Hungry Children, and that began last month uh, on a regular basis. So we're giving $1,000 a month to No Hungry Children, we're giving $1,000 a month to Row Kids, and we're giving $1,000 a month to Navigators at Georgia State. And uh, wow, I, I'm just so thankful that God has given us. Listen, church, that is an opportunity. That is not an obligation to give to them. 
we are excited and enthusiastic, Brandon and Kim, to be able to do that. And we started it last month, and we want to continue to be able to do that. So I want to encourage you, as Tom did, to continue to give your tithes and offerings here uh, as we make a difference around the world. It's, it's that that I want to leave you with uh, today. Uh, I, I love uh, this passage. We talked about several different passages, but there's a passage in Matthew 4, and uh, I, I love what Jesus says in uh, Matthew, excuse me, it's Matthew uh, chapter 5. In Matthew in chapter 5, uh, verse 14 says this, you are the light of the world. And he's speaking to his disciples here, and he says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And he goes on to say this in 15, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to the whole house. And then he says this in verse 16, and this is what I want you to hear today. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. And I know for our church, it's not about our church. I know for this organization, it's not about this organization. I know for hungry, No Hungry Children, it's not about No Hungry Children. I know for the navigators at Georgia State, it's not about them. I know for Row Kids, it's not about them. It is about giving glory to God. That is our role. That's our goal. That is our mission. And we make sure, Tom, don't we, that we partner with organizations that are like-minded on that mission. A few weeks ago, we talked about the fact that we can have a light with the people we interact with on a daily basis and share your story, when we talked about sharing your story. And we each can have an impact on people that we interact with here. But I want to tell you, church, you can have an impact in a place that is clear across the face of the earth in Nairobi, Kenya. You can be a light in a world, and every time you give, every time you partner with Brandon and Kim, every time you buy a t-shirt and that money goes right back into their ministry, every time you send them a note of encouragement, you are part of being the light of the world all the way across the world. I went to Belize this summer with uh, my daughter, uh, my 10-year-old daughter, uh, and a, a few other people, uh, 16 people total, went to Belize with Roe Kids. And the first day that we were there, we had a, a day of, uh, where we went out and we did some things. And we went to this little place in the village uh, called Barton Creek Farms. And we took a, a canoe into a cave. They took us into a cave. They took us a mile into a cave in a canoe. And, and, and I got to be honest, I, I was a little bit worried about this because, you know, caves and canoes, I'm like a golf guy in a house. You know, I like safety. So this was not my favorite thing. There are bats flying everywhere. It was incredibly uh, adventurous, but we had a lot of fun. And we got back to the furthest point that they would take us a mile into that cave, and we all had these lights. And in one second, he said, on the count of three, I want you guys to all turn your lights out. And we said, one, two, three, and we all turn our lights out. And in that moment, I have never seen darkness like I've seen before. And I thought, this is a picture of the way the world is without the hope of Jesus. Church, we are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill. And in a moment, we can turn that light on, not just through our lives, not just through our words, but also through how we live our lives, how we spend our money, how we give, how we support organizations like No Hungry Children. Church, let's be global in terms of how we think about being the light of the world. Jesus called us to 
It's a compelling mission. It's a compelling command. It's a compelling great commission, as Tom mentioned this morning. Let's join in, as Brandon said, and get involved in what God is doing around the world. Father God, help us as a church to think globally, to think that we are the light of the world, not just where we are, not just where we live, not just in the schools that we're a part of, not just in the workplace, not just in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and with our family, but Father God, I pray that you would help us as a church to think about the fact that even with how we spend our money, even with our lifestyle, even with the encouragement that we give, even with our partnership with Brandon and Kim Smith, God, we can be a part of that ripple effect of being a light in a dark, dark, dark world. And God, I pray that as we walk through these next few weeks, that this would not just be an advertisement about our missions organizations that we're partnering with, but God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict and challenge each one of us to think differently about the gospel message. Father God, I pray that you would help us to think global when it comes to the impact that we can make in the world. Yes, we're down here at the end of the earth, seemingly. Yes, we're isolated from a lot of the uh, metropolitan parts of Atlanta, but God, right here on Hilton Head Island, we can have an impact. And I pray, God, that we would realize that we are the light of the world, and we are that city set on a hill. Help us to do our best, and I pray that you would be honored and glorified by it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.